Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I am excited to have you listen to another interview with someone, some people who are sharing their lived experience with anxiety and OCD. Um, I really enjoyed just starting to talk to people and bring to you their journeys, especially talking to people who can reflect back on their childhood. And so I am really excited to have this conversation with two sisters, Emily and Lindsay, who both had anxiety and OCD. Actually, they both um, thought they had anxiety and both of them had different themes of OCD. And luckily, a very savvy parent who was able to catch it and identify it. um, And they were able to connect eventually to therapeutic services that were, were able to help them. But what I also love about their story is that they have taken their experience and they have propelled it forward and have created something to help other people. And so they created a shop back during COVID 2020 called Presently Bracelets. And their bracelets are beautiful. And they have these very therapeutic expressions on them that I think can really be an anchor and grounding. And so stay tuned. We're going to dive into their story and some of their themes and struggles. Before we get started, though, I do want to thank NoCD for sponsoring this episode. NoCD offers affordable, effective, convenient therapy available in the U.S. and outside of the U.S., And you can schedule your free 15-minute consultation to see if NoCD is the right fit for you and your child. Just go to treatmyocd.com. That's treatmyocd.com. I will leave a link in the show notes. And when you hear Emily and Lindsay's story, it's like, thank goodness we have places like NoCD that are really uh, educating the world in their campaigns to help people understand what OCD is so that this doesn't happen to kids, you know, that things get missed or undiagnosed because OCD is so good at morphing and shifting. And when you understand the core fear that's driving all of that, then you really can kind of like hit OCD at its core, like what I like to call the epicenter. And a lot of times parents don't even know where to start with that. What is their, what is their child's core fear? Because it can seem like your child has all these different themes and different subtypes of OCD or different subtypes of anxiety or some different subtypes of anxiety and OCD. If you look at my daughter, it's like, oh, she's got a metaphobia, the fear of throw up, and she's got social anxiety. She's got sensory motor OCD. When you look at all those, she actually just has one core fear that, that ripples and dominates all three of those themes. And to help you with that, I actually am doing a workshop coming out in December. It'll actually be on December 9th. It's my first live workshop on Zoom. I've never done that before to help parents identify the core fear or fears that is fuel lining their child's anxiety or OCD. And I'll talk briefly also about how, why it's important and how you can use those core fears to really help your child catapult and move them forward. And sometimes... A therapist may miss these, and you might need to educate the therapist or have this knowledge to really propel therapy forward. So you can sign up for this. It's only $10. I just want it to be incredibly affordable, especially during the holiday season, so that you can jump on this call, get this information, or if you can't make it live, you know, 
register for it and you'll get the replay. You'll only get the replay if you register. You can register at natashadaniels.com slash workshop. I'll leave a link in the show notes, but it's natashadaniels.com slash workshop. And I think you'll find it really valuable to learn the tools to find your child's core fear. And then you'll never be kind of playing whack-a-mole and thinking that you're just stomping out all these ants everywhere when really it's just one queen bee. Or, well, that did not work, that analogy. It's just one queen ant. There you go. And once we get the queen, then the whole the whole ant hill starts to crumble. And that's really the, the ultimate goal. Back to what we're going to be talking about today. Um, I'm looking forward to having you listen to Emily and Lindsay's story. Check out their website at presentlybracelets.com. That's presently, like presently, <laughs> L-Y. I will leave a link in the show notes, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-L-Y, bracelets.com, just in, in case it's confusing. But I think you're going to really enjoy hearing them and checking out their stuff. All right. Well, without further ado, here's my interview. Well, I want to welcome Emily and Lindsay to my show. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Yeah, we're excited to be here. Yeah, I feel like my audience lately has really enjoyed hearing people's personal stories. Um, I haven't done that. This is like a new thing. I haven't done a lot of that. A lot of it's just me talking in my episodes, but a lot of people have reached out who have incredible stories about their OCD and, and wanting to share that with other people, which I think is really brave. And I think it helps parents and kids and teens who listen to this know they're not alone on a, on a deeper level. So I'm excited to hear your story and kind of like where it took you into, we'll get to that part in a, in a minute, but I wonder if we could jump in and just start with you guys are sisters. We can start with where your OCD journey began. So I'm going to say I'm uh, Emily, the younger sister. So I think it makes sense to start with Lindsay's story since hers happened chronologically before mine. <laughs> okay. So I'm Lindsay. I am 34 years old, I'm five years older than Emily. And my OCD journey had started um, when I was about, I'd say probably when I was maybe in even elementary school where it was like, you're very, I don't want to say basic because nothing about it is basic, but it was when you're the preliminary stages of OCD kind of evolved of like switching on a light, switching on and off the light switch and asking my parents to repeat stuff, you know, lining things up away because I thought that if I didn't do that, something bad would happen. And that kind of like remained kind of steadfast until I was about in high school when my OCD transformed into something I didn't even know was OCD at the time, it turned into like existential OCD. And the part that like, why, why we're here today and like why I like sharing my story is because I had no idea that it was OCD. I thought I was going crazy or I thought that like I was stuck in another alternate universe or you know, I was dead or, or, or wasn't sure if I was alive. So it kind of started at that point. And it, that's when it took a turn was not realizing what was reality and what was not reality. And that part of it was the scariest part because I didn't recognize that that was a part of OCD. And if I had known that from the start, things would have de definitely been different for me. 
the best part was that my mom was able to, I guess, somehow put two and two together by researching and just kind of Googling or whatever we used back then. Um, <laughs> AOL. AOLing. <laughs> um, just like what my daughter was kind of going through at that moment. And I'm guessing that because she had, you know, tried to go to like therapy groups and all that, she learned that that was part of OCD. And that was what helped me kind of ground me back to understanding that that was part of my anxiety and part of OCD. That's kind of the journey how where my OCD kind of started more like jump started in that sense where it was like very mild, kind of like your cook, not cookie cutter. I hate saying it. Stereotypical. Yeah, stereotypical OCD and how it took a whole jump from zero to a hundred in a time where I was just, I guess it was, I think it was my junior year of high school. And it was like, after I took SATs, getting in, you know, getting ready to choose what school I was going to, all of the, you know, high anxiety stuff that you go through as a, a teenager, all of that. And that kind of rocked my world, I would say. Um, I can go in more about it, but that's kind of a basic overview of how of where it started and where it kind of really jump started. Yeah, it's incredible that your mom was able to yeah. not Google because AOL search that that popped up like existential OCD or that it was identified as OCD. Because I feel like back then, even, I mean, it was just OCD in and of itself was really not understood. And I feel and like was, even today. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of support groups. And I think she, I have no idea because I was so, um, I had no idea what she was researching or Googling or or whatever she was doing because I was so stuck in of the fear of just reality in general. So I was like, you know, in a whole nother universe, no pun intended, like literally. Oh, mentally. And, mentally. <laughs> and yeah, it's just kind of, it's crazy because I feel like not knowing that it was part of something that I was had already gone through scared me. And that's why I share my story because I know how scary of a moment that was in my life. And for people that don't have the support that I had, that's why I try to be the support system for them because I know that any moment anyone could have like a panic attack and, you know, not know what's what they're going through. But there's always some someone out there in the world that has something similar to what you're going through. So. Yeah. And I think it is just really helpful and it it speaks to the fact that OCD morphs and changes. And so, you know, we don't want to get hooked into or stuck on themes, but if we don't understand the different themes that can pop up, it can be really overwhelming. Cause I think part of like that derealization or depersonalization that a lot of people with OCD have, it's the scariest part because it feels very different than other OCD themes. And I know my daughter struggles with that. She's almost 12. Well, next week she'll be 12. And it took me a while to even figure that out as a therapist. She would ask me like, mom, what's your favorite color? You know, she would like ask me these questions at bedtime. And I was like, at, at first I thought she was being cute, but then I realized like she wasn't sure if I was real or if I was a robot, you know, or if this was her world or a different world. And she was, you know, those were compulsions like to, to check and verify that this is really her world. So similar. Yeah. And I think if people can understand that, I mean, and for her, 
even just me validating it and being like, there's a name for this. People go through this, you know, and just that education piece of like, you're not going crazy is really grounding and helpful. Yeah. Cause even at the moment it was like, like as an adult now and understanding it, it's one thing to like be told like, this is what you're going through. It's very hard to like understand it as a kid. And then to also understand it now and as an adult, it's like your whole, you get, you get it better now as an adult and you understand it more. Yeah, absolutely. I think when you're a kid, you're like, you're just making sense of your world in general anyway. And so it just, it adds, it adds that confusion to it. So I appreciate you sharing your story because it does help for people to be like, it's not just a therapist saying, oh, there's a name for this. This happens. It's like, here's a person that went through it and I can resonate with that. So I appreciate that. And then your sister a few years later. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um, I'm Emily again. I am turning 29 in almost a month. My story is very different. And I think just before I even talk about it, like, like I, what interests me is like, I feel like almost we're like a perfect example of like so many different types of, of OCD and like different experiences. And so I'll just get to it. So essentially I was a very anxious kid. I think I've just been anxious ever since I could remember like, you know, separation anxiety from my mom, crying, um, going to school, like refusing to go to school. And I don't really know, you know, why or why that started. Um, but basically throughout, you know, throughout elementary school, and I'm I'm pretty sure nursery school actually, now that I'm thinking about it, nursery school, elementary school, same thing, separation anxiety, and then middle school. But not knowing it was that. Right. Well, I knew it was an, we knew it was anxiety. That's that's you know what we didn't know what it was what it really was, which was OCD. But, you know, essentially in middle school, I would, you know, it's like an age where people are, you know, curious and confused in general. And I remember, you know, looking back now, I remember sort of worrying about things that most kids wouldn't worry about. So I would think about like, what what would happen if I smoked a cigarette when I was older? Like, what would happen if I like started stealing things? Like, I'm thinking about this. Like, does that mean I'm going to grow up to become a thief? Or I had some like, I had a lot of these thoughts about sexuality and like whether or not I was attracted to women or men. And so that obviously was not easy for me to talk to to anyone and I remember can I jump in Mm -hmm. I remember as being the older sister I was going through my own OCD but again this part as as she was as we call it today is like confessing and getting validation and getting reassurance seeking we didn't know that that was part of OCD and we've only learned that kind of recently that that was part of Right. And I forgot to mention that part. So along with all of these thoughts of like, I'm going to smoke cigarettes, I'm, you know, whatever, I would have to sort of confess these thoughts to my mom and sort of be like, this is what I'm thinking. Like, and and I wouldn't come out and say, hey, mom, I'm thinking this. It would get emotionally, it would, it would 
I all I remember as as she was a kid was her crying in her room every night there'd be something new that she'd have to like confess about or like struggle through and I, that's all I re- that's kind of like as I remember her as a kid <laughs> yeah, a lot of times I think parents don't realize that like moral OCD scrupulosity OCD stuff or sexual orientation OCD like the stuff you're talking about the biggest compulsion when they're kids is the confessing and parents will think that they're getting it off their chest and like you know they'll have worry time and they'll just like you know just tell me everything you're worried about and and it, it grows the OCD you know, it's, it's the compulsion in disguise. I, I often tell parents, you're the metaphorical sink, you know, because they get the hand washing. I'm like, they're washing their thoughts. And so it makes and sense. Parent, of course, you're going to, you were going to want to do everything you can to make them feel better. Which right. Is Listening to them or saying yeah, like, reassuring. It's okay that you're experiencing this. And like, of course, you know, that is, that is like, you know, what you should be doing as a parent, but it's also like when you are, diagnosed with OCD it's kind of like that thin line between giving in to the OCD or challenging it challenging it yeah and that is the tricky part because intuitively you're right I feel like as a parent the intuitive response is to like support your child and listen to them and they're having a struggle and I think the hard part and the counterintuitive part is realizing that you're not talking to your child you're talking to their OCD and it's their OCD asking especially when it gets into like moral questions or sexual identity where parents want to be perhaps open-minded and they want you to explore and they want you to know they're okay with it, or they're glad that you're worrying about, you know, stealing, or you're asking these moral questions without realizing most parents don't realize that they're actually talking to the OCD, you know, and they're really not providing that reassurance to their child because the reassurance to the child would be, I'm sorry that your OCD is bothering you. I'm sorry that your OCD is making you think of this. Like that's that's the therapeutic response. But who thinks that way? You know, unless they're educated, nobody thinks that way. Right. And what I find interesting is that this is why I was saying it's like the perfect example of the fact that people don't know too much, like they don't know enough about OCD is that at the time, like Lindsay is old enough to be like, not to, she was what, in high school? Yeah. So it's not like she was too young and my mom, um, like knew of OCD and knew of this stuff and even knew of this existential portion of it by this time. And still we couldn't, we didn't know that that was OCD at the time. So still I was just an anxious kid. I was anxious about everything. I was anxious about the weirdest things, but it was never, maybe you have OCD because you're thinking about like the connection was never made. And I still think that that's relevant today, that connection is not made. So, you know, as I got older, I I worked through, you know, middle school, I would, you know, call my mom on the phone every day at lunch and just, you know, all that stuff. And then in high school, I, it must've like, and maybe I blacked it out. I don't know, but I don't remember having many issues like this. You know, I started to drink in high school and like, you know, anxious OCD, Emily would be like, Oh my God, I can't do this. I have to tell my mom everything. Like, so there was a point in high school where I was, not that sort of, you know, confession, you know, needing to confess everything. But then I got to college and I remember this very vividly. It was in a psychology class and we were talking about like sexual orientation or sexual identity. And it all sort of came flooding back again, still 
I know I'm just anxious, like I'm an anxious person. So that's going through my head. So I'm not thinking like, you know, oh, this is, this is like a normal thing that I'm going through. It's, oh my God, I forgot that I was confused at that time. Am I confused now? Like I, you know, and so all those feelings of like unsure. Right. Uncertainty. And then, so I like broke down and like hit it for like most of college, like that I was struggling with this specific thing. And then, you know, on the side, there were other things like, you know, especially with drinking, like, did I black out? Do I not remember doing something like asking my friends for reassurance? Like, I don't even know what happened last night. Like, can you tell me things like that? And it, you know, you try to play it off. Like you're just being funny or like, you just like, you know, fishing for answers without being weird about it. And then I think those like two were pretty much the main fears I had was that I was confused about my sexuality and that, you know, someone could have hurt me while I was drunk or I did I did something I shouldn't have done or I cheated on my boyfriend or, you know, all these things. And then it wasn't until the end of college where I was like, I need help. Like, I'm not well, like everything, you know, it's just was building up and it was the the sexual orientation stuff that prevented me from being more open about it and from get, going to a therapist. Cause I think at or the even time, to me about right. It. I think at the time my mom was like, we can go to a therapist. And I was like, no, no, I can't go to a therapist. Cause then that would mean I would have to like say these things out loud, but I don't remember what it was or why I eventually made it to a therapist. And it was someone that Lindsay's had recommended. And she, the first day when we were, you know, in the session, she was like, you, I was just telling her basic things. And she's like, you have OCD. And I was like, no, I, there's no way. Cause my sister has it. Like we would have known, but it's just, the reality is it's a completely different kind of OCD. They look completely different when you know about like the basics of, you know, performing compulsions to make your to cleanse yourself of your thoughts or to gain reassurance is like the hallmark of it, then you can sort of apply that to anything and you can recognize it more easily. So yeah, that it's just, and now it's, you know, it's still there, the OCD. I don't go to therapy anymore. My therapist told me I didn't need her anymore. So well, that's a good um, yeah, that was about like two years ago, I think. But it's interesting, like now as we as we've taken on basically spreading awareness about it and talking about it and reliving these moments of like our childhood and what we're going through today, like we're always learning, like there's new things that we didn't realize are part of OCD or like that we're constantly challenging each other. You know, we live together, too. So we see it all. She'll be in the kitchen at like 11 o'clock and not say anything. I don't hear any movement. I'm like, Lindsay, what are you doing? She's like, nothing. I'm just, I'm nothing. I'm like, stop looking at the oven. Walk away from the oven. It's not on, that sort of thing. So it's, it's definitely helping Support each other. I think that's just amazing. You're it's there, been, you live together. It's been like such a beautiful and like, I don't know, just very eye-opening for this whole thing. Um, Just getting into like, you know, what we're doing now with it and why we are advocating for it. Um, And it's kind of helped us keep ourselves like in reality check as well. Like, you know, 
keep our OCD in check. Yeah. Yeah. I think the more, the more open people are about their story or the more they talk about their OCD, you know, at first I think OCD doesn't like that and it makes everything worse. You know, you go to therapy and all of a sudden you feel worse because you're actually disclosing sexual orientation, OCD stuff and, you know, things that you've kept deep, dark and, you know, secretive. But I think over time, just advocating and spreading awareness is therapeutic because your OCD can't hide. And I know for myself with my own anxiety and my kids' anxiety and OCD, it like makes me a better person because I want to like emulate what I'm teaching. And so I'm much more aware, you know, not perfect. I think we're all imperfect. We're all going to struggle, but just that awareness. And I think just talking to people, you learn more and more about it. And I'm glad you guys are sharing your story because you're, cu- you're bringing up a couple of really important points, I think, for parents to hear is parents will often get like tunnel vision. They'll be like, I only want to know about symmetry OCD, or I only want to know about moral OCD. Like they name them and they box them and they don't want to know anything outside of the box. And I always, I'm like, I'm always preaching to parents. You need to know all the themes, not to get into a box, but to be able to spot it and say, you know, my child has this, but then my other child has this. I mean, like my son has restrictive eating and some moral OCD. And my daughter has got the depersonalization and the sexual orientation and the sensory motor and a metaphobia. Like they all have different flavors. It's all the same thing. It's genetics. But would I be able to spot that if I didn't know the different flavors? Probably not. OCD is the the best, like the, not the best, OCD at its, at its worst is like transforms into other things like it's a chameleon it is a chameleon and it's so dangerous because like I feel like not dangerous is the wrong word but it's so like sneaky in the fact that it can literally just change and latch on to other things that you're going through in your life and you have no idea so like being more aware of just like OCD general and like specifics of it is only for the best yeah because I think there's times where like I'll start worrying about something like health related and you know to me it might seem like it's a real fear but then you have to take a step back and realize like oh real fear it's just how you then take on the process react to it but I'm just saying like sometimes we we ourselves like have tunnel vision like not as parents as people that have OCD ourselves yes aren't necessarily like when you're in the moment of anxiety being like, okay, calm down, Emily, this is just OCD or this is just anxiety or. Yeah. Especially when it's wearing a new disguise that you're like, this isn't my theme. This isn't my issue. So this must be real or this is. Yeah. Totally get that. It's time we put help directly in our kids' hands, introducing crushing OCD course for kids and teens. It was way more helpful than all the other therapy we've ever done because we didn't really know what to do. So we weren't really doing it before. So the course helped to figure out what the exposures are and how to do them. We're not in therapy and find it really hard um, to find an ERP trained therapist here. Um, So we're currently with like the public health service, but again, they don't seem to be trained in ERP. It's filled that gap that we don't have that was desperately needed. This was really well timed for us to use between therapists and to help us like start get off to a good start with this new practice. It was easy to use. Um, I was able to do it from my phone or also on the computer. 
there's different ages, you know, so there were younger kids, there were teenagers. And um, so that was really nice too, to have a variety of ages where it wasn't just geared towards younger kids or older kids. It was a nice variety. It's helpful for our kids to hear it from this like third party as opposed to just us saying it. I really like the offense and defense method. I love working on poking at OCD while it's sleeping. It makes it a little bit easier to do and it's kind of fun. <laughs> I'm planning on using it to work on my uh, fear of like holding or touching batteries and stuff like that. So it was really helpful and I think a lot of other kids would like it. I thought that I was like the only one who had worrying about the weather and stuff. And then there was somebody else on there who worried about the same thing, which was really helpful. Seems less scary to work on stuff now that I've watched this class and I'm more interested to work on it. I like trying to do more exposures still and going to, before I wasn't, I just didn't want to do them. I've worked on some of my bigger compulsions and been successful. I realized that it was helpful to do like the exposures before it was like really, really hard. It's still hard, but it's helpful to know that I need to do them. Before there would be a lot of battles about it. So it is definitely less loggerheads. Really, really good course and super helpful. I definitely would recommend this. It's really easy to follow. It's in nice bite-sized videos. I really like the worksheets that go along with it. And I think it's really helpful. To learn more about this course and register your child or teen, go to atparentingsurvivalschool.com. You both got help. And then I love how you kind of, you know, paid it forward. And when did you guys decide to like create things or products to help other people with anxiety and OCD? We were living at home during the pandemic in 2020. I was struggling. My boyfriend had just started law school in a different state. And, you know, that was like really stressful and the pandemic in general, just like with contamination, OCD was just not fun. And so I personally, like I needed, I wanted something on my wrist to remind me of like what my therapist had taught me because at the time I was still going to therapy. And because like in that moment when you're super anxious or when your OCD is super high, it's hard to like get a hold of it. And so like a lot of the times I would find myself like really, really anxious and frustrated with myself because I'm like, I go to therapy. Why is this like, why is this so hard? Why can't I remember like exactly what my therapist would tell me? Like, because in those moments of extreme anxiety and when you're really in it, like you're in quicksand, like you don't, nothing else matters. So it's really hard to like turn your head a little bit to like see that there is other things that could help you. So, right. So with a bracelet and like, because I have OCD and I, I think I do have a little bit of like generalized anxiety. I don't, you know, I was looking online for something like this and even like a phrase that would relate to OCD or what I was going through or like the specific tools that cognitive behavioral therapy taught me. And I couldn't find it online. I couldn't even, I was looking up like, what are some like quick phrases that would help bring, you know, OCD down a little bit, like in that moment. And I couldn't, I couldn't, I don't know if I was searching the wrong terms, but like I could not find anything. And so then I was like trying to think about like a phrase that might help me. And it was like, I just was like racking my brain. And then I remember one thing that Lindsay taught me 
before I started therapy was like the metaphor of your thoughts are passing clouds. And I was like, oh, that's perfect. Like, I'll just get that on a bracelet. I'll get those beaded bracelets with the letters and put it on. And then, you know, as I'm telling Lindsay about this, you know, bracelet that I want to get, like, maybe you should get a bracelet or, you know, and then we're kind of like, what if we made these bracelets? And then also, also at the same time, I really wanted to like write a book and like share my story about OCD and anxiety. And I wasn't working at the, at the time during the pandemic. So it was like an aha moment where we were like, wait, we could actually do something and help people and share our story with others that are struggling, especially during this pandemic, because so many people like anxiety was just more talked about and it needed to be talked about even more. So that was kind of our realization that like, we need to start this, like we need to create a campaign and like an awareness to what we struggle with and like what other people might be struggling with and sharing our story and having people share their story. So then it kind of keeps feeding on. And I also think it's just a little bit more of like making people aware of like what is currently out there as like self-help. And because, you know, you can go on other websites and find bracelets engraved with inspirational phrases or reminders. But a lot of the times they're not they're not in line with like what a therapist would essentially tell their patient to like think to themselves. Like you probably wouldn't tell a patient to, you know, just think positive or just, you know, don't worry about it. Like just, you know, you know, stick with it. Hakuna Matata. Like, I don't know, just like all these really overgeneralized phrases that aren't going to do anything for someone with anxiety or OCD. They're just like, and it's almost like, like good vibes only. Like in college, I had a sign above my head on my bed in huge letters and good vibes only (laughs) thinking that was going to like, you know, cure my anxiety. And it's just, it's silly. And while that is totally great for people who don't really need, you know, an extra like therapeutic resource, having bracelets that have like realistic reminders or reminders based in like science (laughs) would, you know, I think we thought people would really benefit from it. And I think also the part that was always, that always bothered me was like, we we're not taught this in school. We're not taught how our mind works at all. Like we're taught how every other body part works. Like um, we're talking about we're taught about the functions of the brain, like what the brain does. We're not taught about like we? he, well, like like the you know the amygdala, the hippocampus. Like yeah, but like not like not like what a person goes through, right? Not, the emotion, yeah. the emotional, and like that aspect of it. So when you're a kid and you have these experiences or have these thoughts and like how many people like could that help if we just like were it was mandated it was mandated in school and we were taught about all these like oh I know right thoughts like and such a basic like daily function like social and emotional growth like to be able to understand yeah I don't know what it's missing (laughs) I don't know either. And I'm surprised it's still missing today. Um, so that's something I want to change. I have no idea. I'm not sure how, but that'll be on our next thing. <laughs> well, I like it because we definitely need that. We have some people trying to move in that direction, but it just, it seems like it's very like hit or miss 
on the school districts who's doing some social emotional stuff and like what does it look like and to me it should be like math science emotional health like why is that hard you know i actually would use emotional health more than i would use math i have my calculator i don't need math i mean to all yeah. those mathematicians maybe some people do but i'm just saying like but we all need emotional health we all need to know how to be emotionally healthy and be understanding of ourselves and our mental health so i agree so i when did you so you started in the pandemic um, it's called presently. I'm glad you Present. have the sign. <laughs> I love the name. So it's like present and then L Y just for those people. Cause they're not going to visually see you. Yes. Right. It's so, and then there's a cloud in the logo to represent the like first, my thoughts are passing clouds phrase that we just sort of, uh, we didn't come up with it cause it's like a therapeutic mm-hmm. thing, but you know, it was the one that sparked sparked the idea of having these phrases on your wrist I like that and so they're bracelets they're necklaces so we only have bracelets um, currently Um, they're all engraved we have six phrases Um, and we sat down together and like thought of you know what are the different fears and what are the different thoughts that people have and like what what are the phrases that would help the most of those different things. So we have brave the uncomfortable, embrace uncertainty. I'm separate from my mind. I let go, but I can't control. It's okay to feel how I feel. And my thoughts are passing clouds. So I love those. Those are really powerful. Yeah. And I think it helps people that have OCD and anxiety and just anyone, any human, because a lot of us aren't taught these, like, like you said, basic emotional like health tools that are like everyone should know it's okay to feel how you feel everyone should know that you need to embrace uncertainty not just people with like clinical anxiety right so it's hard to try to to try to like speak to every single person um but that is the goal that would be the dream if if everyone was like oh yeah I'm breathing you know I feel I'm super anxious I'm just gonna like sit sit with it and like, you know, let, let the wave pass. Um, and it's also something where like anxiety pops up out of the blue sometimes. I mean, most of the time it does, it comes in like, it hits you the hardest when you're not even like expecting it. And somebody who hasn't even been through therapy or even has had any sort of anxious thought and has an anxiety in the moment, it's like, if you just knew the basics of like how right. to get through that moment, that moment, it would, it's yeah. To know. Well, and I think sometimes phrases are just like, they're powerful, like mantras, you know, that kind of ground you. And even if someone doesn't have the therapeutic background, they might wear a bracelet and then just be, it would have some meaning to them. You know, I know when I was going through hard things, I couldn't, I was looking, I was very similar. I was looking for something that would ground me and I couldn't find it. And I wound up just ordering something on Etsy. I actually have this huge sign. It's not that big. It's like, it's a big square that says you are in this moment. Cause I like, I just needed to be grounded. And it's such a, it seems like such a common phrase, but I couldn't find it anywhere. So I had someone make it for me, but even with my rings, like I'm not a jewelry person, but like I have a fingerprint, Um, my husband passed away. And so I have like a fingerprint of him. And then I have this other one and it all has like meanings to me. And it's very grounding. I find myself touching it or taking it off when I'm feeling stressed. And, um, and I was looking for jewelry for my kids 
And I had, when I had, when I, my practice was open, I was looking for things for clients to give them because in those moments, it sounds silly. It's really not something that's just like, oh, I'm going to wear this jewelry and people are going to be like, oh, that's cool. It's like, you feel so overwhelmed. You need something that anchors you. Some people get a tattoo. Some of us don't want a tattoo. You know, we just want something that we're wearing that we can physically feel and that we can look at. Um, it's funny because when I was going through that rough time about two years ago, I found this artist who made like really cool, like art that had like these inspirational, like it's kind of a feminist thing too. It was like, you got this, or like, it was like people who ride that you don't have to stop the storm. You just need to ride through it. There's all these expressions. Anyway, I bought all these postcards and I framed them and I put them everywhere. And my uncle was coming to visit who's like 80. And he was like, you have all these things everywhere. <laughs> you know, He's like, they're in your bathroom. They're in your kitchen. He goes <laughs> like, there are all these weird inspirational things everywhere. I'm like, yeah, but like I use them. I use them everywhere. So I I really resonate with your product. I love that it came out of your struggle because I think the things that come out of true authentic struggle are the most poignant things that can help other people. And yeah. it's amazing like how many people have like the reason we started this was just for the mere fact of just helping others that are like struggling and don't have a resource and need like help or just like that talk to just say like you're not alone in this and like how much it has resonated with with a, an array of different people that come that have different backgrounds that have different diagnoses of like other mental health disorders like how much it just has impacted them on a day-to-day basis is like means the world to us yeah yeah that ripple effect it's amazing once you get some momentum yeah. So where can people check out your bracelets? We have our website called presentlybracelets.com. We are on Instagram at presentlybracelets. And we have actually something that we probably don't promote enough. There's a quiz on our site that sort of has questions. Again, like we wrote this ourselves, just like thinking about like all the different things that people worry about in the world. You know, at the end, it'll tell you which phrase might you know, be best for your specific anxiety or your specific needs. And just so even if you don't even, you know, want a bracelet, it's just like nice to kind of have that resource. And like we've we've been at, you know, art shows, like Artists and Fleas is one of them. It's like a holiday market. And we had people kind of do the quiz then and there. And it's just so interesting how like a light bulb goes off when they take it because then they're, it, it's all kind of like, it's put together. It's like, you feel this way, like, you know, here's a, a good way to think about it. Or here's a good way to react to those thoughts. And all of our phrases like come with an explanation of what it is about it. All the bracelets, right. Yeah. All the, bra- all the, all the bracelets. bracelets come with a card that has the phrase description on it. It's almost like when you look up your like moon and your the astro- astrology. Yeah. Mm, not astrology. Yeah, yeah. That's a word. Okay. It's kind of like that, but for <laughs> your anxiety right and I love that I want to go take a quiz because I think that that's like I think people would like that it's like interesting to be like what would be a phrase that would resonate with like my struggles or what my anxious thoughts are and I did like the clinical aspect too of like I did see on your website that there's a card that comes with and explains kind of the kind of like the therapeutic value of that phrase and I love that because I feel like unlike some other just mainstream feel good products or or jewelry, there is some therapeutic value to this and you really hone in on that and you help support that. And I think that that is something that's missed in a lot of other 
just like feel good jewelry. You know, there, there's some clinical expertise behind this that I think resonates with me. Yeah. yeah. And we've gotten a lot of good feedback from psychologists and, and therapists that support what we're doing and, and have give us thumbs up that we're, you know, sharing the right information. So that's always been something that's been important to us as well. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. I will leave a link in the show notes and I want to just thank you for sharing your story and coming on. Cause I know that so many people are going to find that really valuable. Yeah, of course. Thank we're you so happy to share. Thank you for giving us the platform. It's so inspiring to hear about people's struggles and then seeing what they've done to turn those struggles into catapulting the energy to help other people. And I really feel like it's a it's a really effective therapeutic approach or modality to take your pain and turn it into serving for other people. I just think there's just a lot that one helps you and two, giving back to others is also, it's a boomerang. It comes back and teaching our kids how to do that. I love seeing people who are entrepreneurs who have taken their pain and have turned it into helping others. Uh, I know that for me, just doing this podcast and doing YouTube videos has really helped me. Even my courses have really helped me help myself um, because helping other people feels good. And when it feels good, then it helps my mental health. And it also helps me become a better parent because I know I'm talking about this all the time and I want to walk the walk and talk the talk. And so I'm much more aware and intentional with my parenting some of the time. I'm human, but because I want to be a good role model, I want to like practice what I preach. And so giving to others actually is giving to ourselves. And it's a, it's a good tool that we don't talk about enough for our kids. So check out Emily and Lindsay's beautiful bracelets. They're gorgeous and they're very therapeutic. And you can take that quiz on their website and see what would be the, the best slogan for you or for your child or teen. Just go to presentlybracelets.com. It's presentlybracelets.com. I'll leave a link in the show notes. Also, if you were wanting to jump on and catch my live workshop on Zoom, we'll be talking all about how to find that core fear and why it's important. And so I'll give you all the skills for that. Just sign up at natashadaniels.com slash workshop, and I'll see you on December 9th. Please don't forget to find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com.